0: Hello everyone, thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. and today we are joined by Brian Casinggina and Brian is Mine Valley's chief funnel copywriter. He's an ass copywriting expert and the youngest looking fifteen year veteran in the industry. He's been the copywriter for a number of million dollar projects and has a system proven to make obscene amounts of money. I've asked him here today to help those of us with a cash flow problem, those of us looking for help, and if you can afford it, maybe after this interview, you can hire the Ask Funnel copywriter for your own project. So, Brian, it's always an honor and a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Good, Daryl. Um, it's really exciting to be on your show, so I appreciate that, and uh, hey to everyone listening. Um, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for having me on, and hopefully I can uh, share a few insights that I've, uh, I've come across over the last 15 years of doing this stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah. Brian and I met at a mastermind meeting in uh, on Benton Island in Indonesia, but you kind of get there through Singapore. And I was really intrigued by his presentation. That's part of why I asked him to come on here and talk. Before we get into any of that, I mean, you've already mentioned you have 15 years experience. Like, how did you get into this game to begin with? Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? You know, like, what were you doing when you first started? What were you doing before, I guess, you came into copywriting?
1: Yeah. Um, I worked in IT with computers for a uh, a, a lot of years. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting question. I think I'm pretty much the one of the the first real entrepreneurs in in the family. Uh, so I don't I don't come from a long line of entrepreneurs. I kind of had to learn that uh, all by myself. But uh, back in the day, it's about um, uh, 2003 or so, um, and this is uh, um, put a uh, puts a timeline on how long ago it was. I was actually looking to start, start a mail order business. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah.
0: That's back in the day. That's, that's old school copywriting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't even thinking about the net, but then I found a marketing course and then I, um, they talked about, uh, um, using, uh, uh, eBay as one way to, uh, get customers. So I started putting stuff on eBay and, um, built up a, um, a small but thriving, uh, eBay business. And, um, uh, I was selling products to to business owners, and they saw that uh, that I was listing a lot of stuff, and I was uh, doing well. That, and Well enough that they actually asked me to write some of their eBay ads for them. Um,
0: eBay asked you to write ads for eBay?
1: No, my uh, my uh, my customers. Ah, I was, got it. Ah,
0: okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. Okay. That's uh,
1: totally yeah, cool. and um, I found that that was uh, um, a a lot easier and more profitable than actually uh selling stuff in my ebay business because you can charge you know um uh, however much you want however much you can get for uh uh you know uh, to write write copy for someone so when i started writing this copy it's when i found exactly how uh, uh profitable that can be
0: so you got off starting that's how you got into copywriting and in your career what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've had to face
1: uh, there's been uh, a great many of those, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, probably the biggest one for me was the, um, was the, uh, uh, uh shiny object syndrome where I'd look into all these different, uh, different methods of making money online, you know, um, affiliate marketing, AdSense, uh, um, copywriting, which I, which I eventually stuck with, but all, all these different things, they really, uh, scatter your attention mm-hmm. and, uh, um, as you and I both know, you know, when, once you focus on something, once you uh, 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 concentrate your focus on, in one area, that's when you really start to grow in that in that area.
0: Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I th- I've been in it. I haven't been in it 15 years, but I've, I've, I'm probably around the 10 year mark now. Yeah. Um, I've at least had my Infusionsoft account for nine years or so, and I, I got mm. started kind of before that. So one of the things, though, is I'm still learning how to simplify. Like I was working with a client and we were doing something with like a, a, a funnel tool, like a web page building tool. And uh, you know, you connect, can connect it to your WordPress site. And he was like, why are we even connecting to the WordPress site? Like, let's just like, let's just simplify it. Just have everything yeah. in the tool. And I just, for me, you know, it was one of those like, but that's what we've always done. And I, it's funny because I'm like, I realized that is, that is much simpler. And it's, it's, mm. you know, and it's, you can constantly reduce. There's, there's power in simplicity. You know, once you really start getting complicated, it's it's hard to make something scale or work. And it's anyways, I just like you said, there's there's constantly a new shiny object. There's oh, but I'm going to have a this funnel and a that funnel and, you know, get some things (laughs) just get something that works. So,
1: yeah, it's 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 an interesting point about simplification. That's the end benefit of you know, focusing in you know, on one area, you don't get all crazy and complicated all over the, all over the place. So mm-hmm. that's the real power of uh, ignoring all the, the shiny objects and focusing your, your attention in one area. So that's so good point.
0: as a copywriter, did you have any challenges? I mean, were you just like hot to trot out of the gate? Did you find that there were milestones as you've grown and developed as a copywriter? Tricks, not just tricks that you've learned, but things that you had to figure out? Like, you know what I mean? Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, it certainly took me uh, a little while to get started. I, I used to be able to pick up little copy jobs here and there, but but always very low fees. And uh, um, it wasn't until I started uh, mentoring with uh, with a top copywriter, another Aussie by the name of uh, uh, Trevor Toecracker Crook. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I know. He, yeah, yeah, he's he's one of the guys who um, uh, helped me understand that. Um, that you know, um, charging higher fees, for example, uh, is one of the many things it taught me. Charging higher fees, for example, not only uh, you know, uh, gets makes you more money, but it, it also um, it also is more appealing to uh, to clients. You know, um, uh, it, it's it's weird the way we are, but uh, if if someone uh, is char- is quote quotes you you know five hundred dollars for um, for a sales page and then uh, someone else quotes you five thousand dollars, then uh, uh, then the the higher priced one uh, for most good clients is, is is more appealing. And I know this because um, uh, I found out after the fact that I, I've uh, lost out to other copywriters who quoted higher simply because you know my quote was too low in some instances. <laughs> so, that, that, so that was an uh, yeah, that was another thing that I had to get over. Uh, you know, um, as a beginner copywriter, you know, charging what I'm worth. Mm
0: hmm. mm -hmm. Right. That's a lot of people. It's being able to ask for a large sum of money and then hold a straight face because that may not be what you would want to pay. Right. And you're not you're not always your best client. That's the other thing. One thing I've learned, too, is that clients who pay more tend to be less of a headache. This is a great lesson. I don't know if anyone's ever had the opposite please like, share the story. I'd love to hear the yeah. story from you. But typically anytime from any, any business that I've been in I, most frequent what comes to mind actually is my martial arts school. You know, it was like 130 bucks a month or something. And it was always the students bless their souls. Uh, you know, that like, Hey, can I break it up into two payments or three payments? Yeah. Or can I like, and you, you make the deal like, okay, cool. You just, you sincerely want to train sure, whatever. But they just come back with like an endless line of like, and then this, mm. and then that, and then that it's just so crazy. If, if anyone, if you're quoting people and you're having to go back and forth a ton of times, and it, like, if it's starting off that way, don't think it's going to change or get better.
1: I yeah, think- yeah, you've just got to. Um, uh, well, it's going to say you work your way up, um, but that doesn't mean it has to be slow. You know, I'm um, right. like the most stubborn guy uh, uh, in history. You know, I resist every everything that, that I know I should be doing, and then everything <laughs> uh, at least at the start of my career, anyway. You know that's why everything took kind of took so long. But <clears throat> you hear about uh, a lot of people who come out of nowhere and are suddenly charging huge fees and and are very successful. And um, uh, in a lot of cases, it's true because you you come out and, and you've got a skill. Um, no one knew about you before, but if you've got the uh, the stones to actually ask for uh, what you're worth um, and uh, with sincerity and and knowing that uh, that you know. Um, uh, that you're worth it and that the client will get the result and and of course like you say holding a straight face then then suddenly you're um uh you can 10x your income very easily mm,
2: mm,
0: mm. right as long as you can deliver there's the, right you can yeah. you can jump up i think that's uh there's a great book called uh winning through intimidation robert bringer and he calls that the leapfrog effect that there's no ladder that you have to climb you don't have to be Lower pay just because you're new. It really depends on the results, and even then, sometimes it doesn't. Because if people aren't happy, you can go back and do it. You know, redo it three times, four times if you have to. So it's like you can jump into an industry yeah. and start charging industry kind of norms, or even the high price too. When you charge mm. more, it also allows you to give a better product or service, right? You can pay for help, yeah, you can definitely. pay for coaching, yeah. pay for other people to help you do it. So definitely don't want to lowball people too much. So yeah. now. Um, in the copywriting work that you've done over 15 years, do you feel that certain types of promotions work better than others?
1: Yeah, um, and uh, um, it's going to be one of those you know it depends answers because uh, um, it depends on on the niche on the uh, on the, 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 the on the tribe you're marketing to. Um, like for instance. Um, you Know, uh, Mind Valley does uh webinars really well and uh, their list responds really well to webinars. Um, but uh, um, some other things like uh, um, like standard lead generation magnets like PDFs and so forth haven't worked as well, uh, mm. for some reason. Um, so uh, a, a webinar on the front end where people sign up for the webinar as cold traffic for them works really well, but in other industries, you know, um, especially in, in like I'm going to generalize the sure. internet marketing industry here. Um, webinars seem to be a lot harder to make work, at least on the front end, unless mm. you're unless you're you know willing to um, to lose money on that first transaction mm. and hold that loss for a little while. If you've got the cash flow, but Mindvalley in the in the personal development niche seems to uh, um, make their money back quickly on the front end.
0: Mm. Got it. And that's webinars are fantastic. If you can get a webinar to convert as a front end, I mean, you can scale that pretty big, pretty fast. So that's actually fantastic. So, okay. So webinars are really good. Now you also, you know, in your bio, you talk about ask funnels. Can you break that down? We've actually interviewed Ryan uh, two, I think maybe three times on the show at least twice. Cool. Um, Can you break down what it is for any listeners? If this is their first interview ever listening to what is an ask funnel? Why would you want to do an ask funnel?
1: Yeah, because uh, um, Brian DeVecca, as you mentioned, is the is the uh, expert on Ask money. He He didn't uh, like invent the actual whole thing. He just optimized it because I, I remember back like, uh, how long ago is it? Probably seven, eight years ago. Um, I was looking at ways to you know, somehow customize the sales pitch that I was making based on on things that were were entered on a landing page for example which mm-hmm. is basically what the ask method is the ask method is where you um have a quiz on the front end and uh, um, it's not like those uh, um you know what type of harry potter character are you quizzes those are just more for engagement this is uh we're talking about proper lead generation here to to discover your particular pain point um and give you a sales message and segment you based on what that is so basically there's a uh, quiz that's on the landing page, and you uh, the person comes along and takes that quiz, and depending on how they answer those questions, they get a different sales message. It could be uh, one of uh, three to five different uh, video sales letters. It's very common. Uh, so it's a different sales pitch based on their pain point, and they're also segmented uh, differently in the uh, uh, email follow-ups um, based on, on their pain points. So it's all very customised. It's very powerful. It allows you to segment the people who are opting into a funnel on the front end and deliver them a customized sales message, which really speaks to them.
0: Yeah. I actually have a book. Uh, I'm, I'm in Asia right now, but in back you can't have a book. It's like the psychology. It's something about like the, it's an old book. The copyright's like 1906 or 1912 and it's like the use of psychology as it pertains to advertising something like that. It's a big, long title. It's a reprint of like classic marketing books. And in it he mentions the questionnaire method and the, mm. so it's been around forever i mean that's yeah, over yeah. 100 years old so the yeah. idea of asking people they want giving it to them is nothing new and actually ryan levec is the protege of glenn livingston who's also been on our, our show three times and glenn livingston mm. used to have a survey model and that's kind of what got ryan started in using surveys and ryan took it and the research model and really ryan's uh Ryan created the quiz out of the survey and then the, the other ones, the pivot and the do you hate me. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um,
0: you know, but Glenn was the one that got Ryan onto surveys and really coached them through the process. So mm. it's again, nobody really owns it, but the you know, Ryan's kind of called the at the ask funnel. So when everyone mm. someone talks about an ask funnel, we're talking about Ryan's method. But it really is, like you said, it's been around forever. There's nothing nothing new under the sun, so to speak. Now in building one of these quizzes, Um, can you, like, I I mean, it sounds great. People come to your site, they fill out a quiz, they tell you what their pain point is, and then you follow them up. Now, why would you want to do that instead of just having a generic message?
1: Um, it's much more powerful this way because, um, uh, when you can describe, um, the problem of your prospect better than what they can in their own mind, then, then that's really powerful for convincing them that you've got the solution, Mm -hmm. uh, to that problem. Like, uh, when they go, when they're going through the quiz, um, uh, that's, uh, they're not thinking, um, this guy is trying to, uh, you know, um, uh, dig deep and find out what my pain point is, you know, they, they're, they're in there for, uh, to get answers to their problems. So, um, uh, you know, there's, it's much better than a, than a one size fits all, uh, marketing message when you, when you really tailor your marketing messages, uh, to the person, um, and I, let me give you an example. Um, one, the first one that we rolled out uh, at Valley was on a meditation product. And the three pain points that, that we knew uh, from the market, we did our own surveys, um, was um, one, they, uh, um, the um, typical prospect for a meditation product is uh, um, not sure if they're able to focus to their uh, during meditation. Uh, number two is they're not sure if they're doing it right. And three is uh, um, they can't uh, find time in their busy day to actually meditate. So those are the three pain points. And and uh, basically with the ask method, you uh, customize your sales pitch uh, to those people. So if uh, someone uh, uh, fills out the quiz and gives you the information that they can't find time in their busy day, then you need to cover um, uh, a lot of different things in your sales pitch than uh uh, with someone who just feels that uh, um, that they focus. do have time, but yeah. they, they can't focus while they are meditating. So um, uh, you see how they are segmented that way, yep. um, and uh, you end up with three different uh, three different segments of people. And it's it's a it's a lot easier to to know um, your marketing that way. Because if you try and appeal to everyone, you end up appealing to no one.
0: Right. Right. And this is a mistake. I've made it. I probably still make it. Everybody makes it so often. It's just, it's such an often thing is that people go too broad. There are riches and niches, bitches. That's such a good thing to remember because you can always widen a niche, you know, like you can always back out a, a tier. Like if you've niched down too much, you can always go back one level, but it's a lot of people build businesses around being too wide. And so it's just way more responsive. You know, I can make you read a thousand page book, I could guarantee you would probably drop a lot of things to read a 1,000-page book uh, if it was a story of you and your life, right? If I if I spent years researching you in your life and wrote a 1,000-page book and put it in your hands, so it's a whole concept that people, you can't bore them into reading your marketing material, right, your sales message.
2: Yeah, but,
0: man, yeah. the more it is about them and their specific scenario, the more powerful it gets. Yeah, so, exactly. A big common issue that comes up, I know, with creating these sorts of funnels, I mean, it sounds great. People get really hyped up. They're like, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, we're going to make a quiz, and we're going to build all these different funnels, customize everything. Can you segment too much? You know, can you niche in that sense? And and for those that maybe are, aren't are already thinking it, I also know there's a, a can be a considerable amount of work into building one of these. And, of course, everything that you want is at the end, you know, of a road of hard work, typically. Yeah. But do you have any tips to either of those not segmenting too much, just enough and trying to get something like a minimal bi- minimum viable thing up and running?
1: Mm-hmm. That's what I usually teach, whether it's an ask funnel or, or any other kind of marketing. Um, I try and, and stick to the 80, 20 stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, um, <clears throat> the uh, 80% of the results will be gotten by the 20% of the work that we do. So um you can definitely uh, segment too much. You can go overboard quite easily, especially if you have a lot of uh, product knowledge about your market. Um, you know, uh, like we could have come up with 10 different uh, pain points for meditation or, or any other uh, niche quite easily. But the the, um, the best way to do it with a, a minimum viable funnel is, um, and this is where you uh, roll it out 90 95% of the time, It's it's uh, around about um, three to a maximum of five different segments, um, and uh, if you're um, if you really think there's more than five, then then uh, um, then you can segment them into entirely different funnels, entirely different markets. One mm. funnel you should be looking at maybe maybe three segments, four segments, up to right. five, um, and that really cuts down on, on the work you've got to do. Um, because for each of those you've got to have uh <clears throat> you know um uh different sales pitches. Uh um and you can get quite complicated and funky with some of the, the technology that's uh, mm-hmm. available now.
2: But mm-hmm.
1: the 80-20 way of doing this is the simplest way and this is the way that most people should be thinking is just uh using a quiz platform like uh, like Ryan's one is bucket.io, or you can use type form or something else. Um and just connecting that up to a Click Funnels page, and then and then uh, um, based on the answers, you know, you, you could create three different sales pages, all all identical except for the uh, the part where you speak specifically to the uh, um, pain points that you found from the quiz, because that's the that's the uh, thing that uh, some people don't understand. They think that this is really complicated. I mean, I, they look at uh, uh, an Ask Funnel. Uh, Flowchart and and you know and it's, sometimes it can be like looking at a circuit board but um, but really um, when I'm talking about uh, a unique sales pitch for each pain point, um, if if you've got a text page, it can be as simple as a couple of paragraphs which are dedicated to that pain point. The rest is the same standard sales pitch, um, or if it's a uh, or if it's a uh, a video sales letter that you're doing. You have three of those, but it's, it could be just the first few minutes that is dedicated to that that particular pain point. Then the rest of the video sales letter is the same standard pitch for each. Mm. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just keep it as simple as you can. Right. Just make and, sure that they uh,
0: yeah. know talk, Just make sure that they know you're talking to them. Yeah. That they're in the right place. That makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. So where do you see people kind of get stuck, or or a lot of mistakes people make when they're putting up these up?
1: Uh, one of the biggest places that they get stuck is, is with that implementation when uh, they're trying to overcomplicate things, and they and they think that they have to um, uh, be an instant expert in in the whole methodology. Where um, so you mentioned before the uh, uh, minimum viable funnel, just get something up and uh, and see if it works. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the um, the other way uh, that that people sometimes get tripped up is is that um, while these uh, ask funnels are, are great lead generators, you know, in, in some markets um, they, uh, uh, they, they they might not make enough sales to cover you, uh, your immediate uh, ad costs on the front end. So you might yeah. have to wait, um, say, 28 days um, and upsell them to something else. It doesn't happen yeah. all the time, but sometimes um, I guess it, it can happen the same with any funnel really. Right. Um, any front end offer.
0: Right, right, right. So what you're saying is the cost of getting someone to take the quiz, in advertising, is can't be offset because the price point's too low versus the cost per quiz, that sort of thing. Is there any sort of typical range that you've seen in the all the years for what people should expect, either in terms yeah. of cost or conversion rates?
1: Yeah. Um. I've seen some people uh, uh try and use these ask quizzes for really low cr- low price stuff like uh um. Uh, I've seen some for just a, a few dollars in a front-end offer, um, seven dollars, or in a low-price uh, continuity. It tends not to work with a continuity offer on the front end. So a monthly membership. Um, uh, the best, the best offer that we found to work is is, is a one-time offer, um, and it priced around about, uh, from about a, uh, the range of about fifty dollars, forty-seven. Ranging up to about uh, one to two hundred dollars.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, anything over that, um, then your conversion rates in most cases will, will be a little bit lower. Um, but we've sold products uh, um, around the fifty to hundred dollar range um, quite a bit, and uh, it's it's in that that nice price range where um, it's it's a pretty easy purchase when you've really spoken directly to a to a, a person um for their pain points but it, it, it's it's enough cash flow to you know um uh offset your ad spending on the front end so um they tend to they tend to usually about break even when when they uh, um are rolled out like that
0: okay got it got it got it got it okay so if you're charging 47 and 97 what you're looking for is to break even now uh, for people that have listened to my show for a long time they probably already know the answer to this but why why would you want to build a funnel if you're only going to break even?
1: yeah because as, as a lot of the, um, your listeners would know you know it's about buying a customer. Um, uh, when I, when I say that ask funnels are great lead generators, I'm not talking just about getting an email list onto your database. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about getting a customer onto your database somebody that spent money. Mm -hmm. because uh, um as we know it's seven to eight times uh more expensive to get somebody on the front end like cold traffic into in into the front end of this quiz than it is to uh market to somebody who has already purchased from you Mm -hmm. you know they've already bought something they're already happy with their service they know and like and trust you um so the mistake a lot a lot of people make is that there's there's three ways of looking at this there's um, basically what we call the mom and pop store, where it's uh, it's a retail store. Um, it could be an online version as well, but they have to make uh, uh, a profit on that first transaction. They don't have a database, so they they uh, their growth is limited by um, having to make a profit on that front-end transaction um, because that person is probably not coming back again. They don't have any follow-ups. They don't have any follow-up system. Um, the second way is to break even where... Um, where um, if they spend uh, $100 in, in ad costs, then uh, for that customer on average, they make $100 back. And then that's where most people should aim to start with. You know, uh, If you can break even on the front end, then you've basically got a customer for free and you can market to them on the back end for free with your email autoresponder. Um, for those uh, with more size and cash flow, you can get more aggressive and... Uh, uh, and uh, uh, deliberately lose money on the front end. So if you spend a uh, um, $200 in ad costs and, and still making that $100 sale on average, then you've lost $100 on that front end. But if you can upsell that person uh, on the back end a month later to uh, uh, to a $1,000 product, then that's $900 in profit. Um, mm-hmm. But the only way you can do that is if you've got the cash flow to to stay in business, um, uh from the time you incur that $100 loss on the front end until the time that you can actually uh, make that back-end uh, profit of $900. So um, it takes cash flow. Uh, most people should start looking at that break-even scenario.
2: Mm, mm,
1: right.
0: That's excellent. So we're talking about lifetime customer value. Yeah. And that to have a business that's here to stay, typically it's about a long-term relationship with someone. It's really tough. You can do it, but it's not easy to try and build a business off of one night stands. You know, people that come through, they buy one product and then they disappear forever. It's just really tough because you have to spend your days finding new people all the time, you know, and that can be difficult. Yeah. And it's it's easier to do if you're selling something like a car because there's enough margin, enough profit in each sale you can, you know, afford to spend the money on advertising or in, in salaries, you know, that you're not starving in between sales. But again, so that's just, that's something for people to think about, uh, as far as when they're, we're getting this up and running and especially the business you're building, how can you make it like a long-term thing? If your business is just installing pools for people, it can be really tough, you know, to make that go as a business. And it might be great in the summertime, you know, if you're in a country like Canada, where in the summertime, everyone wants to enjoy their pools and go outside and, you know, make the most of it. But the rest of the year, it's going to be tough, you know, it's going to be tough to go. I mean, Mm. when someone builds a pool... I mean, you know, you got nothing else to sell to them, but you could sell them a maintenance package. You could sell them swimming lessons. You could sell all, you could put in a a better porch and patio. You could put a fence around because they need the fence. Like, there's all these things that you could tack on that now you're not just selling them a pool. You've got a, a family, a suite of products, and you're really creating backyard experiences, you know, and maintaining them for people. And now you've got something to kind of carry you forward. So it's not just a one time pool installation. That's a limited point of view. You're looking at it as a person with a certain skill set versus really taking care of your customers and that part of their life. You know, that's mm. that's the real key. You want it you want to be their go-to for everything in that category, right? Whether it's health or business or what.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's great advice because uh, um it's it changes the focus from selling the thing, which is a pool, um, and it moves on to selling them a lifestyle, which is uh, a pool and everything that surrounds it. It's, it's summer mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, there's a lot more money when you do it that way.
0: So now how do you put the quiz together? And, well, let's start off with that.
1: Yeah. Um, the first step of the uh, methodology is to um, uh, basically get these, get find out what these pain points are. Now, in uh, the 8020 20 version of this is pretty much pretty much know what the pain points of, of your market are. If you've been in business any time, uh, you know, you should uh, um, have spoken to your customers before and, and you should know something about what makes them buy. Um, so that's the way uh, you can get started. But if you do have a customer list or if you want to um, uh, reach out to some prospects, uh, you can do what we call a deep dive survey and that's basically you... Send a quick survey to your list or to uh, people who um, are in your target marketing. And say, what's the number one challenge that uh, that uh, that you have in your business? And from that data, you know you get uh, um, you get these pain points. You uh, narrow it down to the top uh, three to five at most, mm-hmm. and that's the uh, um, that's the uh, pain points that you want to put in your quiz. And you structure the quiz questions uh, to. Um, to uh, uh, discover which of these uh, pain points that, that person is suffering from and the simplest way to do that is uh, uh, simply to ask the question right out you know um, uh, in the meditation quiz it was something like um, uh, the same question I just said you know what what's the when you're when you're trying to meditate what's the biggest challenge that you have when it comes to meditation and we uh, the, the available answers were a, uh, you know, I can't find enough time in the day. Be, you know, uh, I uh, can't focus while I'm meditation, mm-hmm. meditating, and see we're just not just sure if I'm doing it right. And that's how they they were sorted into the uh, the segments, and that's how they got the correct sales pitch for each segment.
0: Can you break that down one more time for people that? Because I think that's a really important thing to, for people to understand because you can't you can't sell some even if you're the best chef in the world, you can't feed someone if they're not hungry. So yeah, dialing into buyer needs and wants is so important. Can you just walk us mm. through that one more time in case yeah, someone's driving and they can't yeah. just replay?
1: Yeah, I, I agree completely because this is this is the key to making the whole thing work. Like if you were um, if you don't know your, your market well enough and then you could just come up with something that that sounds good or you think that everyone else is doing then chances are you could miss the mark completely and, and, uh, and then your uh, funnel won't work. So um, <clears throat> it's very important. The best way uh, 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 to do this, um, if you have uh, some kind of a customer database or if you uh, can reach out um, to people who are in your target market, uh, you ask them the question, what is your number one challenge that you have uh, in, the, in this area? And uh, you'll get those answers back. And uh, from from all those answers, if you you if you have a uh, if you have a uh, um, uh, customer database, you only need about uh, two hundred and fifty, maybe five hundred answers uh, to come back from. like If you email them out a survey, mm-hmm. um, if if you're reaching out to people individually, uh, you can uh, um, you can get enough information from probably. Uh, 10 to 20 responses um but from that data you actually get you actually uh sort uh all those responses into those individual pain points so um get the top three to five and there's the answers to your quiz um try and stick with three if you can the biggest the three biggest pain points that you've not um not three biggest pain points not the ones that you've uh uh um uh, assumed are are correct the ones that you've discovered through this research Mm -hmm. are correct and uh, then uh, the uh, quiz on that you drive traffic to will simply ask them that same question and that's Mm -hmm. how you sort them into the segments
0: right perfect and that's so powerful because now they've they've just told you like it's 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 kind of like a flip you put the survey up you get their questions answered and then you flip it back now yeah have you ever gotten a survey in the top three like Is there ever a circumstance where you can't just take the top three answers? Like one of the things people answered, there's no viable business behind that. Is there any examples? Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, there there can be. Um, Really, we're um, we're mostly dealing with people that we know are in that target market. Like if you're um, going back to the uh, um, uh, uh, meditation example, if uh, um, – Uh, in our target market you know we know we 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 know for a fact that p- these people are are uh, um, interested in meditation whether they're on our list or whether we're reaching out to them um, as fans of a Facebook page or in, in a Facebook group or something we know they've flagged some interest in meditation so we' we're, we're not asking people um, you know uh, who aren't interested in meditation you know what their biggest meditation uh, challenge is because they're um, you know if we email that person, they're not even going to respond to that. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, 99% of the time, uh, all those pain points are, um, are perfectly usable. If you, if you find yourself, uh, in, in that scenario where, where you're getting this data that, uh, that you can't solve with your product and you know, your product's good, then, uh, it calls into question the people who you're asking the data from. Mm-hmm. So, if there was, if there was, uh, if if you are asking the right people, and there's still some uh, weird pain point that you cannot serve, uh, you could send them to a, an affiliate link of a product that does serve it, or or some other business. It's very uncommon, though. Usually, usually you can cover them all.
0: And so, I guess the next question would be, how many data points? Like, is the quiz just a one-question quiz? Uh, how many data points are you trying to to collect? And how many can you actionably use on the back end without making it super, right? Because if, if you've got three hmm. buckets and you're only yeah. and you're only pivoting on one data point, then you only have three options. But if you're pivoting off two data points for each bucket, you now have six possibilities. And so is there, how do you guys do it typically?
1: Uh, we usually don't get that complex. We usually find that the, uh, um, the segmented marketing message is powerful enough with, with the, the single data point,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you can certainly get a lot more complicated, and, and then you're talking about segments within segments um, of these uh, these people that you're segmenting. So, um, and that can be more powerful, but it's diminishing returns. You know, you probably get better results, but for how much more work and effort, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we tend not to do that if you've got a if you've got an ask funnel that's up and running and working well. And you want to improve that. If you want to, um, if you want to try and get the ability to um, increase the traffic uh, and pay more for traffic, um, while still in also increasing the sales, then uh, then you can start to really optimise it like that. Um, but for ninety nine percent of people, uh, the, the single the single data point is fine. I mean, you can you can certainly uh, uh, have a single a single Uh, question quiz like if you've seen a lot of these launches by ryan's done it and and people like jeff walker where uh you sign up to watch the videos for the launch Mm -hmm. um uh you'll see um you know there you'll see their segmentation quiz on the front end there and before you even enter your email address in you actually see um uh like i remember a recent one of jeff walkers he always uses uh you know um at what stage of your business are you in? You know? And people can answer. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a beginner. I'm just starting out, to, uh, or I've been online for a while and I'm struggling to get to to get some traction, or mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm I'm really doing well in my online business. And based on on that question, you know, he he sends you different uh, email follow ups.
0: So typically, you could use this. It doesn't even have to be a quiz as a front end. If anyone listening to this already has something that they're using to capture leads, they could just have a drop down to help segment people into a different bucket.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you watch those guys launch results, they'll often have that, uh, that single question quiz uh, on the front end before you even enter your email address.
0: That was something back when, even when I had my martial arts school, we, 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 yeah. the, then it was said you can get basically usually get two data points like name and email, and then you can have up to two drop downs without it hurting your opt-in rates too much. But if you have yeah. three data points, like name, email, phone number, it'll affect your drop-in rate. And if you have two or three drop-downs, then, you know, it's like the more things you ask for, the more it hurts. But if even if you're just going just email and one drop-down, you're probably not going to get, wor- a, like, uh, a significant drop if you go, like, email and two drop-downs or name, email, and one drop-down. So, anyway, it's just kind of interesting to, to play around mm-hmm. with that stuff. So, now, what... So right, we talked about this, survey your market, figure out their biggest challenge, take the top three, make th- three buckets, try to keep to three buckets. If you have to go out as far as five, try to keep yeah. it tight, though, if you can. So now we've got these groups. Now, how do we write, whether it's a webinar and we're segmenting them or it's a quiz and we're segmenting them? What do you think matters most in in the copywriting follow of the follow
1: up? Uh, in the email file itself. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and what matters most is to uh keep uh keep a consistent um you know communication with them uh, uh, based on that pain point like uh, um uh if you have a quiz on the front end and, and you show them uh a segmented like sales pitch a uh, custom sales pitch then uh and then um on the email follow up on the back end you just drop back to a, a single generic uh uh, sales message in your emails, then that's a lot less powerful. because mm-hmm. as we as we know, you know only uh, only a small percentage of people will will buy anything the first time they see it. So mm-hmm. the vast majority of your of your uh, leads and customers will be will be seeing these follow-up emails. So you've got to keep that, you' got to keep the, that in line with the with your uh, segmentation. so and it's easy, easy to do it in the software like Infusionsoft or ActiveCampaign. campaign. Um, based on tags and all, on all sorts of technical stuff, which I don't really uh, tend to use personally. Um, you know, I, ha- I have uh, people to do that, but um, uh, um, with the technology, you can you can keep uh, that customized sales message coming to them via emails. Um, and it's the same as what I what I said before. If you picture your email on the page, uh, it only needs to be the the maybe the top paragraph or so mm-hmm. um, that is customized to that pain point. The rest of the email can be generic, the same for, for each segment. It's just a, a, a small, unique customization uh, of sales copy um, at the top of the email, which says, hey, um, you know, I, I, I can see you're, you're are you still having trouble focusing during meditation. Here's a, here's a good piece of content about that um, for example. So, so it'll, that's all it needs to be again, the eighty twenty. So
0: now do you recommend my next question to follow up with that would be about selling in the emails? Do you recommend selling? Cause some people are like, you know, uh, well, anyways, we don't talk about other people, but do you recommend uh, so they used to say like with off, we talked about mail order, mail order. It was like, I think it was eighty twenty uh yeah. like 80% content 20% pitch do you pitch in every email do you advocate that there should be a pitch in every email like if someone signs up to your list and you got a product to sell you should you know be pushing them to the sign up page over and over and over again how long do you do that for uh how hard do you push should you just try to establish a relationship for 21 days before you send them any pitches kind of what what do you feel is the best practice
1: well, it's a lot of different different ways to uh, to actually do this, and and I've seen all, all of the methods yeah. um, working uh, in different niches with different people. You know, um, we find that uh, the first email that that comes out after they sign up for non-buyers is uh, is the one that generates uh, the most sales. So basically, I always make that first email a reminder about the uh, the product. Because uh, we found that that's um, that's one, or, mm-hmm. or if not the highest revenue generating email for non-buyers. Mm. Um, uh, so I always have maybe one or two reminders, but not not too many. If they don't uh, if they don't buy within the first day or two, um, what I usually recommend is to uh, start sending them some useful content, um, and uh, this helps build the build the relationship as as you say because that's very important, you know. It, It gives them some useful how-to information, Mm -hmm. but the thing—the thing to remember about um, about uh, you know content versus pitch is that the fact that uh, um, you know when you choose the the right content, it it still um, it still contributes to the sale because uh, what I do is I choose my content strategically. If we go back to the uh, meditation example again, um, one of the pain points was um, the fact that. uh, uh, people thought they they have to um you know uh and this is this is a this is generic it's not actually one of those pain points but it is another that we were using for the for the segmentation but it's something that's common common to all segments and that's the fact that people think they have to you know clear their mind like you know like a zen monk uh and mm-hmm. have that blank mind while they're meditating right um and we 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 had a, a great piece of content we had a great uh video at mind valley where which uh, explains why um this is not the case and uh um, the reason we use that in the funnel is because it's strategic once uh once people watch that video then that video has overcome their objection towards buying buying the uh, products and uh, so that that uh that video while being content it still contributes to the sale because once they understand that they uh don't have to um blank their mind then Mm. that's that's another reason uh not to buy the product that that we've taken care of
0: got it got it got it so you're sending the content you're sending is is kind of educating them through objections before they've even necessarily come up because you're not pitching them right then and there so it's it's like assisting the sale that you're going to try to make again in yeah
1: yeah yeah the, the, the objection is there somewhere whether they're thinking about it or not right um and uh, um, so, uh, you know, in a one-on-one conversation, you would be able to draw that out of them like mm-hmm. a, if you're one-on-one selling. Um, but when we're, um, when we're marketing to, to people with mass media like this, you know, we don't have that ability. So we have to kind of uh, bring that up um, and send them the content, you know, if just in case that's one of the things that is uh, stopping them from buying
2: right
0: now are there typical objections i know what gary bencevenga he says that the common objections in order are you know no time i don't have time to look at this it's not for me why should i listen to you uh disbelief and then time to think would you agree with that would you add anything to that would you change it
1: oh well, um i can't think of any scenario where i would disagree with uh, <laughs> yeah, a man yeah. like gary bencevenga so, <laughs> um for, for uh, whatever copy I've written, you know, the, uh, um, uh, the no time objection is, is always uh, the biggest one and um, uh, that's, that's the main one because we're all busy, you know. I, I've, I know I've got a bunch of courses in my inbox uh, which I've never even logged into, you know, I just haven't had time mm-hmm. to, uh, um, to log into them. So everyone else is the same too. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, if you can get around that objection, like for instance, you know, um, when I talk about continuity programs, um, uh, uh, for the time objection, I always, I always break it down to the, uh, number of hours you've got in a year and, uh, and, uh, break, break down the continuity program to the number of hours that it would take per month. And then you can really make it sound like. Uh, just a few minutes a month that people need to spend uh, mm. looking at this material and, and that's that's the way I kind of get around that objection that's mm. a big one. Um, the other big one for me is is trust so um, uh, the more testimonials that you can have, but uh, the better but also different kinds of proof you know there's scientific studies there's um, there's uh, all sorts of different proof that you can use depending on your on your niche. And that's, that's the other big one, probably trust.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Now you mentioned continuity. How is selling continuity different than selling a one-off product?
1: Uh, continuity is a bit, um, is a bit more of a commitment for a person. Um, I've seen a, a lot of continuity products launched, um, and, uh, uh, it's different ways of doing it. But, um, I see a lot of people trying to sell it on the front end and, you know, it's kind of, um, it's kind of like, uh, going up to a girl in the bar and, and sort of planning out your next three dates.
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: uh, um, that's, that's kind of the sales pitch that you're, you're coming across to people. And if, if they're, if they're already, uh, um, you know, uh, a, a, a fan of yours, they might uh, agree to, to try you out that way. But, uh, um, but really, uh, it's it's a little bit uh, of a commitment. You really want to uh, sell them something small and and non-committal on the front end, just mm-hmm. to get to just get them to test the waters.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, in every example I've seen uh, uh, that I've worked on, uh, that's the way it's worked better. I mean, I've, I've seen Ask Funnels where they're trying to sell a continuity product, and it just doesn't work at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for some reason. Uh, uh, mostly because of the commitment, it just doesn't. Uh, it's 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 too much to ask the person on the front end. Right. So does it and work? And this is it. This is it. This is like. Even, sorry to interrupt. But this is like okay. even even when you have no contracts and no minimum terms, like you know, like uh, like cell phone companies. You know, like a lot of places in Asia. Mm. I think it was in, in the US. I saw you can uh, get contracts like, like three years or something, which is oh, insane. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, no. It's in nuts. A, in,
1: a, in Australia, it's like two years is common, um, but people don't want that. That they, they just want uh, their phone, and they want the uh, the flexibility to um, uh, to go with whatever service provider they want. And if they they uh, uh, they know that if 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 you drop the ball as a service provider, you know that they've got plenty of other choice, and they don't want to be locked into you. So that even when your continuity um, is like you can cancel uh, instantly at any time. Um, it, still, it still seems like um, too much of a commitment because I guess psychologically deep down, we know that uh, um, that you know it's like, uh, uh, it's like the old Reader's Digest books where they used to just pile up after a while and then you eventually get sick of seeing and then you'd realise that your credit card was being whacked for each one as well. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you'd eventually cancel. We know that that's... Uh, uh, likely to happen if we sign up for something, even if we uh, know there's a trial period, uh, we know that we're likely to miss that. That's why it's that's why it's um, you know uh, uh, too much commitment.
2: Mm-hmm. So uh,
1: uh, they work much better on the back end once they know like and trust you and they know that they want to see hear from you regularly. yeah, you know, continuity is a great offer
0: mm-hmm. And so is there any way you present continuity or would pitch it? Or, I mean, it sounds like, you know, sell a one time something on the front end and then try to get them, you know, like if you're selling supplements, you know, give them a yeah. sample or the supplement first and then offer the auto ship. You know, hey, do you want to have to order this every month or do you want us to ship it to you? And, you know, if you have too much, you just cancel, you know, or that sort of thing. Now, because some people say, like, use the premium. People say Sports Illustrated was built off the football phone and stuff like that. People yeah, bought yeah. Sports Illustrated subscriptions based off the premiums. Do you typically think that a continuity would work better with a premium on the front end? Is it more just a sample, and then you know, and then the option to like, hey, did you enjoy that? Want more? You know, click here and get whatever.
1: How, like, the, the premiums do work, um, and uh, um, <clears throat> I'm not sure. Uh, 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 I, I guess so. they are still doing that. And the infomercials um, that that I've seen, uh, you know, work pretty much work the same way. I mean, that's where your um uh premium actually becomes almost the main offer. Like you you uh you position it as as uh, um you know uh um as a premium but but that's really what the pe- the thing that people want the football phone you know the other the other the football phone in the online world is click funnels because if you see if you see in Russell Brunson uh present at uh, seminars a product that he pitches like a a $3,000 information product with these different marketing courses and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but uh, what he's really selling is ClickFunnels. Right. Um, so the way he's positioned that, he gives that away as, as a premium. He gives away 12 months' worth of, uh, of uh, um, access to ClickFunnels uh, as the as premium. But uh, but that's actually the thing that, that people want. Right. Uh, um, he's got the, the premium product in the market. Um, which he's positioning as the premium that he gives away um, uh, as a as a free bonus when he sells his package of the seminars and that's why he uh, he recently did a uh, uh, I think it's grant Cardone's 10x seminar he sold like uh, um, like millions of dollars uh worth of product and uh, uh, his bonus for that was uh, a year of ClickFunnels. so mm-hmm. that's how he's positioned his it's premium and of course once you've got all your sites on clickfunnels you know and that 12 months uh, expires you know you're gonna have to stay with uh with clickfunnels and start paying the monthly membership or whatever you know um if you want your sites to uh stay alive
0: right so he's front-ending so for to help clarify people he's front-ending Information products, and he's bonusing yeah. ClickFunnels, the subscription into it. Hey, you're gonna get yeah. this, 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 and you get you know this free thing with ClickFunnels. But to redeem,
2: yeah.
0: redeem, but to redeem your 12 months of ClickFunnels, you have to reg- put your credit card into the system,
2: right? Yeah. To yeah. create
0: to create your account, you got to add your credit card. But we're not gonna bill you, which I think is a really smart way. So
1: mm. got it. Well, he, he he's uh he's good enough that uh, you know he actually bills them for like three grand for that product. To, at the seminars and the mm-hmm. uh, click funnels is just a bonus for that. So, yeah. yeah.
2: Um,
1: but after the 12 months, you know, he can start building in again because, you know, they built their sites on click funnels and they want to, uh, to stay with click funnels. So, yep. uh, you know, um, the charges will start coming in after that. So mm,
2: mm, mm. that's how he does. It.
0: And, you know, it reminds me, I forget where I heard this, but I heard it as a story somewhere. And I really don't remember where, but it's a story of like, if you tried to, catch a bunch of wild pigs, right? If you tried to fence them and they'd run away from you, run away from, run away from you. But if instead you went out to your yard or your field and you just started putting food there for them and they Mm. would come and they would eat and then they, you know, put food there for them and they'd come and they would eat. And you could start building a fence around them slowly and they Mm. would just kind of relax and they'd get comfortable with you there. Oh, he's the guy that brings the food and they would just kind of hang out. And then you build this fence around them and that's, that's like how you catch I forget where I read this. I don't even know. I feel like it was in some sort of Eastern philosophy book, not the Tao Te <laughs> Ching. It was something. I don't. I, I don't mm. even think it was the Bahá'í. Gita. I don't even know what it was. But I just remember reading the story. Maybe it was a marketing story somewhere. But that concept, instead of going out and chasing and trying to hunt them down, instead of attract them to you by having something really appealing. And, you know, it just happens that part of the deal is I'm going to build this fence while you're here. And until the fence is done, you can leave like ClickFunnels. You've got 12 months. You can leave at any time.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Right? Like there's there's there We're not nothing sinister is happening here. But every month, you know, one panel of that fence is coming up as you build your business in there. And at the end of the 12 months, we've got you penned in. And that was Mm. totally by your your uh, your choice. It was totally up to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a really good way of putting it. And of yeah. course, you'd have to keep keep uh, um, putting the food out once the fence was built. Otherwise, they'll just jump the fence to somebody else. So, right, right. Of course, uh, of course. Yeah, of course. so there, there's that too. But it's it's a great way to look at it.
0: Yeah, I don't. Know, I just something that that uh, you reminded me of. I haven't thought of that in forever. That's kind of neat. <laughs> So, Brian, we've talked about a lot. I mean, we talked about how to build the funnel, how to segment, how to have really, I mean, when we talked about even the the asking the most important challenge and segmenting off that, it's how to make your marketing and sales more effective, how to be less salesy, how to have more personal communications with people, whether you're doing this on the phone, whether you're doing it in person, you know, it's just a simple, what I think was also powerful is a lot of times, uh, working with sales teams and stuff, they so often want to have like, want to know how many employees and how much money the company does and all this stuff. A lot of these yeah. data points can be really difficult to ascertain. But depending if you have a product for any size of those demographics, maybe at the beginning you could just segment based off pain point first and foremost. That that's maybe mm. the best first foothold to get the conversation going. So I think that that was really powerful, powerful and valuable. I don't know if everyone caught that. We talked about how to get up and running quickly. We talked about how to have customized marketing, personalized marketing without adding like a a doubling or tripling your workload. I think that's really powerful. Uh, We talked about webinars and how those are great uh, for some on the front end, not necessarily other. They're still a great tool. If you can't front end it, obviously go through on the back end. Um, Talked about a couple of sales mechanisms. So webinars, tech sales pages, VSLs. Uh, I think that's part. We didn't talk about teleseminars. We didn't talk about a lot of other things. Uh, because I think that these are really scalable tools. So that's partially why we are focusing people on them. That's something that you and I already think be, built in. But some of these people listening, they might be in a one-on-one sales business. And so it would be interesting for them to think about how could you do your business with a webinar, with a sales yeah. page, with a VSL. Because yeah. that will allow you to grow and scale. Talking about not selling the pool, but selling the lifestyle around it. Don't just solve the one problem. Be the go-to person for everything. That way you can have a suite of products because it will allow you in your marketing to have a lifetime customer value, which will allow you to be more competitive. What we mean is if you're just selling the pool, you got to make any money. The deal you make on that pool is the deal you make on that pool. But if you can bring them in and you have a suite of things to sell them, now you you know, you know don't have to make as much money on the pool. You just need to get them as a customer because you know you're going to get them for the swimming lessons and the patio and the fence you're going to build around the pool. So I think that was really, really important as well uh, that you didn't have to necessarily do a quiz. If you already have something that's working, you can just segment right then and there, a simple drop down. Mm-hmm. And we also talked about how to follow up and market to them, that being consistent with the reason why they – friends for a reason, friends for a season, and friends for life. If they tell you the reason why they're on your list, don't start talking about something else. Keep to that reason. How to, how to, how to uh, One of the other things I think was good is you talked about really, you know, you told people the goal that really the first email they send them should help with the most sales. So that first email I think is where the focus point is because I think it can be confusing for people in today's day and age. when You can have email tools that go on for years and months and however long. How often do I nurture them and how often do I sell to them you're like that first email should be selling. It's not, you know, maybe, maybe it's not the hardest sell email, but it should be a performing email. Yeah. For sure. Just a
1: reminder. Yeah.
0: Right. A reminder. So I think that that was really good as well. Um, and that the content you need to strategically think about your content and have it educate people through objections. We even gave a list of objections, right? No time. Not yeah. for me. Why you, I don't believe it. I need time to think. And then you also highlighted that the note time and the trust factor were the two biggest things. So giving people a reason why should I stop what I'm doing to listen to this now? And then the trust part, the trust part is really big and it's not just testimonials. It's having different types of proof. And then we talked Mm -hmm. about selling continuity and how to sell it and how, what is working, what isn't working, how premiums often you're selling the premium and the continuity is kind of the sidebar to that. I love that. I think that's fantastic. Um, is there anything I didn't ask you about that I should have asked you about?
1: No, I think you covered everything. That's a, a hell of a lot, uh, for people to take in and start implementing, uh, um, which, um, I think it's the, uh, it's the only, um, step that, uh, um, people can go after the, after they've uh, understood all this, you know, it's, it's to get that, uh, get that 80, 20 or funnel, 20 funnel, that, uh, that minimum viable funnel, um, up and running.
2: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: You know, don't worry about perfection. Just, uh, um, get something going.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, that's, that's what Ryan says. You don't have to get it perfect. You have to just have to get it going. That's
0: right. Yeah. Gary Albert said the back of the day, you don't have to get it right. You yeah. just got to get it going. Yeah. So if anyone here thinks, okay, I'm ready gung ho or they're already in it and they're stuck and they want some help. How do they reach out for you, to you? If you, they want to get your help with it?
1: Um, just go to my website, which is, uh, funnel Okay. And, uh, um, at the top of the site, I've got a, uh, a button they can uh, um, register for a, a free editable funnel chart, and just, I'll, have, I'll send all these uh, different funnel charts that they can look at. Because uh, sometimes it can be like a bit like looking at a circuit board, especially if you're just starting out. Um, but you get these on the computer, you see how they, they connect up and flow together, all the moving parts, and uh, uh, before you know it, uh, you're, um, you're really familiar with the way that everything works together and uh, and you can start to working on it to uh, crack, crack open your click funnels or whatever you use and then start putting stuff into action. That's awesome. So the URL one more time? Funnelinfluence.com. Perfect. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: It's always an honor and a pleasure. I appreciate uh, knowing you. I appreciate what I've learned from you and the things that you've reminded me of and I appreciate you taking some time to share with my audience today. I think this has been a really impactful call. People may want to listen to it again. There was a lot of nuggets in here. Um, there really, really was. I mean, from this, if you knew nothing, you would know enough to be dangerous. You know, just, just, <laughs> just after listening to this, I really like this one call in and of itself. So uh, again, I thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're traveling. And so I appreciate you, my friend. And I'm looking forward to catching up again to see how things are going and just, you know, growing old and successful together.
1: <laughs> Sounds good, man. I, I appreciate, uh, everything that you've, uh, uh, put into this, uh, call as well. But, um, been insightful to me too. So, but I'm, I'm happy to share, um, with you or your tribe anytime. So, uh, if anyone wants to hit me up, uh, um, I'm happy to, to share even more.
0: You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend,